Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circuits, my name is Frank Santorowski, I'll be your host for the next hour or more as we discuss everything racing from the past week, uh, before we get into our conversation, let me introduce you to the stellar panel I have assembled tonight, uh, first and foremost, my good friend, Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing, Gray Good to talk to you tonight. Hello, hello. Hope everyone's doing great. Good to have you here, sir. Also, Mr. Joey Barnes from IndyCar.com is with us again. Joey is in rare form as always. Joey, how are you, buddy? Been better. I was, I was, you know, I was just better. All right, yeah. Don't be too excited now. All right. Mr. Seth Eggert, NASCAR correspondent over there at Motorsports Tribune. Seth, how are you? I'm doing good. All right, all right. Christopher DeHardy from Motorsports Tribune. How are you? I've had a great day uh, so far. All right, all right. Richard Uden, one of my best friends in the world. What's going on, Richard, from Richard Childress Racing? I'm, I'm doing good, thanks. Hope everybody else is as well. All right. And uh, new to the panel tonight, Mr. Aaron Bearden, Motorsports Editor over at Kicking the Tires. Aaron, welcome to the show. Good to have you here tonight. Yeah, it's good to be here. I think I'm off to an encumbered start, though. Okay, yeah, well, we'll have to see how the finish comes out then, all right? If we need, if we need a green-white checkered and a red flag, uh, we'll let you know. So, um, anyway, um, you know, good week of racing this week, but it's kind of a crazy week overall. A lot going on in the world. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, uh, that all of us over here drafting the circuits, our hearts go out to everyone and anyone uh, that was affected by this tragedy in uh, out in Las Vegas, and um, it, it even you know had a little bit of a, a racing incident there. The um, the daughter of the owner of Bakersfield Speedway uh, was one of the victims there. Uh, so sad to hear that. Uh, so uh, you know we are we are thinking about those folks as we talk about racing tonight. Um, a senseless tragedy, um, and it's just sad that these things happen in our world. Um, also, you know, I want to say. Tom Petty, thanks for the hits, you know. 
Um, love that guy. But uh, and you know, so let's let's get into racing. Let's talk about uh, what we are and what our, what our platform is. And again, there's more sad news. Um, Robert Yates, um, you know, former NASCAR team owner, lost his battle uh, with liver cancer. He was 74 years old. Um, he was recently um, slated to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, he was one of the the powerhouse teams, I, I recall, I started watching NASCAR in the very late 80s. You know, I had grown up a Formula One and IndyCar road course guy, but I started to pay attention to NASCAR then. I remember, uh, you know, Robert Yates Racing being one of those powerhouse teams. And if you look at, you know, some of the guys that have driven for him, um, that reads like a Hall of Fame, you know, in itself. You know, Davey Allison, Dale Jarrett, Ricky Rudd drove for him for a time, the great Ernie Irvin. Um, he'll be sorely missed. Uh, you know, some really nice comments. Uh, I, I was reading the, you know, the racing world is you know, outpouring uh, stories about him and whatnot. Um, really nice stuff coming from his son, Doug Yates, who co-owned the team with them. But uh, now, Gray, you've been in the sport um, for, for quite a long time, you know, through the whole, through the whole tenure of uh, the time that uh, Yates was active in the sports. And I'm, I'm sure you've got some thoughts to share on uh, Robert Yates. Robert Yates, simply put, was a racer and a gentleman. He's one of the nicest people in the garage area. Uh, I first got to know uh, Robert back in the late 80s when I was working with Bill Davis Racing, and uh, we were working on the Ford uh, uh, Bush Grand National V6 program. And our paths crossed a lot during during those uh, times. And uh, Robert was... Uh, what was just was just like I said, just a gentleman, one of the nicest people you'd ever meet, um, uh, a pioneer of sorts in the sport, but an innovator. Uh, he started out with uh, with the famed Holman Moody team back in the '60s uh, as an engine builder. Had built many engines, uh, many race winning engines for many many drivers over the years. Uh, he uh, went on to uh, to become a team owner. Uh, he won uh, as a team owner. He won the 1999 uh, Winston Cup Championship with Dale Jarrett. He won three Daytona 500s. Uh, he won uh, a three Brickyard 400s. Uh, uh, and and I think his team, Robert Yates Racing, accumulated about 57 wins uh, in in their in their time in in, in NASCAR. So yeah, it was, it was a big, big loss. Uh, again, very happy to see him voted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Very, very deserving. Uh, it, it's it's a loss for the sport, and uh, we're all going to miss him terribly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I was reading up on Robert um, earlier today, and uh, you know, it's an interesting statistic: their first race, you know, out of the box, uh, nearly won the Daytona 500 with Davey Allison, who finished. You know, behind his dad, Bobby, finished second in their first race. I mean, that's uh, you're talking about just coming out of the box strong like that, and then that kind of set the tone for that team for the next several years. So, Seth, you have some comments on Robert Yates? Yeah, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, like Grace said, or will be a Hall of Famer in a couple months. Um, uh, I mean, he he was one of the nicest guys in the garage area. Uh there were some stories I heard earlier today in which uh, some local drivers would just go and ask him uh, what they needed to do with their engine to be more competitive. He would ask what kind of tire they were racing, uh, tire width, uh, what kind of track, length, uh, banking, 
and what kind of division. And off the top of his head, he would say what kind of cam they needed or what kind of uh, shock or something along those lines. I mean, he was a brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, uh, another story, was, <clears throat> which this kind of ties in with Dale Jarrett. When they first hired Dale Jarrett at the time, DJ was driving for Joe Gibbs Racing, which was not the powerhouse team that it is today. And he was under contract with them, and the story goes, uh, Ernie Irvin had gotten hurt, they needed a driver, so he went to Dale Jarrett, and the comment, supposedly, that Robert Yates made to Joe Gibbs was, yes, he's under contract, but anyone can write a contract, a six-year-old can write a contract, why else would God have made money? (laughs) That is funny. I like that one. I'm going to have to use that sometime. Now, Chris, um, you're, a, you're an observer of racing for years and years and, and a keen historian. So, you have some thoughts on Robert Yates as well? Uh, he stayed with Ernie Irvin after uh, the situation that he went through. And I thought that was very classy of him to, you know, not just, you know, toss him out like that, to have him say, you know what, hey, when you get better, you're going to have a car here waiting for you. Um, I thought it was really nice on his part, really. Um and he know he obviously knew what it was like to ha- suffer through tragedy and racing, having to deal with everything with Davy Allison after he passed away. Um, so he didn't have the easiest time, but you know he was able to. The fact that he knew he got into the Hall of Fame, I think, means a lot to him. Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah. And, and it means a lot to the people that work for him too, because you know he was one of the, he was one of the most popular people in the garage area. Uh, Everybody that, that that I've ever known that worked uh, at Robert worked for Robert over the years had said it was one of the greatest places they'd ever worked in their careers. So that 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 speaks volumes. That does speak volumes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but um, you know, Robert Yates will miss him. I'm looking forward to the um, the enshrinement ceremony uh, later. I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, fine tributes to him. Uh, shame he couldn't be there to accept it. But uh, you know, like, like to your point. Um, he, he he knew that he had achieved that, so and and well deserved as well. So, but uh, we did have a race um, at the Monster Mile. Uh, Mr. Kyle Busch um, taking another uh, win on the season, stamping his name on this chase. Here uh, it was an elimination round. There were four drivers that will not uh, be in the playoffs. I'm sorry, I call it a chase. Not be in the playoffs, and uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But um, Chase Elliott was uh, really uh, coming on strong. Looked like he was heading towards his first win. Uh, looked to be like he got bottled up behind Ryan Newman, who was uh, also fighting to keep his playoff spot. Um, some folks accuse Ryan of blocking. Um, if you ask me, you know, Ryan had every right to defend that position, stay in the lead lap, uh, you know, especially with the history of late yellows and, and – green white checkers but uh kyle bush was able to get around you know steal the win from chase um but uh you know chase uh, held on for a second he's still still alive in the playoffs so um seth seth tell me you called all four that were eliminated uh so well, uh, last week on the podcast yeah yes yes so who, who wants to chime in first on uh, on this dover race uh, well let me let me say something ryan newman's defense yes sir uh, chase elliott never really got to with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ryan's back bumper during that uh, during that little thing until, until the last lap, and that was when... when uh, uh, Kyle was already uh, beside beside him. Uh, Ryan Ryan had, didn't have to pull over for anybody. He's racing as hard as he can to stay on the lead lap because anything can happen. Uh, caution can come out with uh, with one lap to go. Green white checkered. He comes around, gets himself in, in a better position to pass other cars on that lead lap. And all he needed to do was pass two cars and. Uh, you know, and then he's in the chase, and and Ricky Stenhouse is not. So basically, Ryan Newman didn't didn't do anything wrong, and I never thought that Chase actually got uh, close enough to his back bumper to really uh, to where it really affected Chase. Chase's tires were going away, and that's the reason that uh, that Kyle Busch was catching him at, at such a great rate. Uh, Kyle Busch came from four seconds down uh, after after the last set of. Uh, uh, green flag pit stop cycled out. He was four seconds behind and was able to chase uh, chase chase down. No no pun intended, but uh, that was it. Made for an exciting uh, uh, finish. And you know you hate to see uh, Chase lose another one that way. Uh, I mean this is probably uh, uh, one in a series of uh, heartbreaking finishes that he's had over the last two years, but. You know the kid's got a lot of talent. He's he's going to learn how to how to win. Uh, Kyle Larson kind of fought through the same kind of thing. He had a bunch of runner-up finishes and 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 lost some races that people thought probably he should have won. So uh, Chase has nothing to be ashamed of, and nothing to hang his head about. Uh, he gave it all he could and uh, and, uh, and and drove the wheels off that number twenty-four. It just so happened that Kyle Busch, uh, you know, circumstances worked in his favor, and he was able to catch him. Uh, with a lap to go and uh, and passing for the win, and again, you know, guys like Kyle Busch and then also Ryan Newman have a you know a, a ton more miles on the track than young Mister Elliott does too. You know, and and when you talk about knowing how to save your tires and and whatnot and and being there in position to win, that that's all stuff Chase has yet to learn. Uh, that these other guys have you know learned a lot of lessons the hard way as well. Uh, you know, so um, but uh, again, um, great job to the eighteen team. You know, they they yeah. are peaking at the right moment and i tell you it was a compelling race because that last you know after that last green flag uh after the field cycle through the last round of green flag stops it was a very compelling race for the end because you had uh, both both uh ryan newman and austin Dillon still in contention racing ricky stenhouse uh for uh for that last uh, transfer spot in the playoffs Anything could have happened. A caution could have come out and changed the whole complexion. 
that and that's why they all ran so hard. And 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 you know neither of those three cars that I just mentioned had what had really good days. So they were really you know they were doing the best they could with what they had that day. But any you know and you kind of it was kind of edge your seat a little bit to see how it was gonna gonna play out. And then with the with the uh, excitement up front with Kyle Busch uh, cutting into uh, Chase's lead there. It uh, it really uh, got your attention those last uh, uh, fifty or sixty laps of the race. Yeah, it sure did. Now, Richard, um, you uh, you work with Gray there, uh, you know, and with uh, with Ryan Newman and with Austin Dillon, and um, so I know you wanted to jump in and um, give us your two cents on this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with sort of Chase Elliott and and um, and Kyle Busch there as well. I mean, people. Um, you know, looking to blame blame Ryan for um, you know for Chase not winning that race. What cost Chase Elliott that race was the fact that he lost a five and a half second lead in that last stint, stint of the race. You know, Newman didn't do anything to cause that to happen. It was just you know, Carl Busch just drove him down and passed him. Um, it was a it, it, looking for excuses. I mean, at some point. Not wanting to be hard on the kid, at some point people are start going to are going to start asking questions about his ability to close out in these situations. He's probably over the last two years had one of the fastest cars yet to win a race, and you know he's got to get the job done. Um, you know, I mean, Seth just put put up on the on a little chat message here, five runners up. It's you know, is it something mental there? Is he not being able to close out? Um, you know, are we are are people close to that Hendrick organization trying to look for excuses to to sort of pad his ego a little bit? Or um, yeah, I, I think he's got to he's got to you know he's got to start closing these races out soon. Otherwise, people I think questions are going to start to be asked about him. You know, Is it the anti Kevin Harvick? Yeah, well, they call, yeah. call Harvick the closer. But, you know, we questioned Kyle uh, Kyle Larson, too, because in Kyle's first couple of years in, in really competitive cars, he had he had pretty much the same thing happen to him. He was in contention to win several races, and he would scrub the fence or something and, and, and give up the lead uh, and ultimately lose the race. So I think it's part but don't of you think don't you think with Larson, though, you, you watched Larson and – there was something about him, you know, the way he drives, that sort of on the edge, almost yeah. like a, the, you know, and I know it's a completely different, but they're almost like the Gilles Villeneuve sort of getting the yeah. car sideways, running the oh, high yeah. line, doing yeah. something a little different. Whereas Chase just seems to do like, you know, nine things out of 10 right that you have to do to win the race. And it's that last thing that he just, whether it's the team, whether it's, you know, whether it's the team not being used to have to go that far, because with Jeff Gordon, he did everything for them. And I'm not questioning the team per se. I'm just saying, you know, maybe they, I don't know, they need to, to, to coach, coach, coach him a little bit better and encourage him a little bit more rather than relying on a driver to do everything for him, where, you know, maybe Chase doesn't have that experience to, to have that ruthless streak in him. And it could, and, it, and that very well could be, but I tell you, you know, I think once he, he he crosses that threshold and gets that first win, much like Kyle Larson. The the second and third wins will come will come easier to him. I think some of it's confidence, and he's just got to learn to win. And much like a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, 
other drivers that have come through the ranks of it. And it's frustrating for him. It's frustrating for his team and frustrating for his fans. But I think, you know, he's proven he's got the ability uh, to drive the race car and drive it fast and, and, and drive well. And I think it's just a matter of time that, that he'll eventually get that first win. And then, and then the, the subsequent wins will come easier for him. Did I uh, did I hear rightly on the TV coverage that his dad wasn't at the race last weekend or stopped going or they they were on vacation. They were on vacation dad is mom. in Nantucket. Okay. okay. Yep. I thought we were going to get a Lewis Hamilton and his in the Anthony Hamilton situation cropping up again there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I tell you, it was it was a pretty good race. I think the uh, the playoff uh, scenario. Added added a lot of interest uh, to the race. Uh, of course, the the uh, the segment uh, thing was pretty good too. I think we uh, we saw uh, uh, Kyle Larson win a segment. Who else won the segment there? I can't remember who Ke- won the Keselowski. other one. Keselowski. Yeah, Keselowski won a segment. So so yeah, and again, uh, it just seemed you know we had we had different uh, different cars kind of take command uh, of each segment and. Uh, and, and go on for the win. The 78 ran ran good again uh, this weekend, but didn't have quite have the car that uh, we thought he would. And but he still ended up with with a very very good finish. And uh, he's going in. He's going to advance into the next round of the playoffs. Uh, you know, as as the point uh, as the point leader. So uh, uh, pretty good. And of course, Kyle Kyle Busch. What can you say about him? He's coming on at the right time. He's 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 won two of the of the first three. Um, playoff races and he's advancing with a whole lot of momentum and i believe and seth can correct me if 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 i'm wrong but we're going to charlotte uh next week for the race and i believe kyle bush has never won a cup race there am i correct there uh he won the all-star race earlier this year but but he's never won a points paying race at charlotte right that's that's one of the few he hasn't won it yeah yeah yeah, so now now seth um since you called the four guys that were out, let's go. Let's go ahead and go down the list. I'll 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 I'll, uh, I'll let you uh, announce the drivers that are out of the playoffs. Even though well, most of Kurt Busch, now. Kurt Busch, who was the furthest out to begin with, uh, Casey Kane, uh, Austin Dillon, who entered over tied with Stenhouse, and by two points, Ryan Newman. And a thought on Ryan Newman and Stenhouse, real quick. Uh, neither of them until Dover had scored any points in the playoffs in any of the stages. And neither had Austin Dillon. And neither had Austin Dillon. Jeffrey Earnhardt's crash during the first round of green flag pit stops changed the entire complexion of the race between Newman, Dillon, and Stenhouse. Stenhouse was one of the five drivers who had not yet pitted. He moved from about 22nd or so in the rain order to 4th, finished that stage in, uh, I want to say 4th or 5th. It was something around there. 4th place because he gained 7. He garnered 7 points. And if it wasn't for those 7 points, Newman would be in the next round and not Stenhouse. Yeah, Stenhouse definitely caught a lucky break there. And and if you look at uh, the the next couple of rounds here, you know, Talladega's coming up, and, and we know how strong he's been on the restrictor plate uh, restrictor plate tracks this year with two wins. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see how deep Stenhouse goes into this thing, but I honestly don't see him in the final four. 
Well, with the like you said, with Talladega coming up and the way they've been at Talladega, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go on to the next round. Going to the final four, he would need a lot of help, in my opinion. Just they haven't had the consistency. If he can do it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If he can pull off what he's done at the last two restrictor plate races, he'll definitely make it to the to the round of eight. Oh, absolutely, but, uh, yeah. But you know, the thing about it is, and you know, everybody looks at looks at things and tries to to Monday morning quarterback. And if if the caution had to come out here and here, there, and everywhere, but you know, I thought they explained it pretty well in the race. There were twenty nine races prior to uh, this was the 29th race. Twenty eight races prior to uh, to what transpired at Dover this weekend. You know, teams had opportunities and chances to gain playoff points along the way about by, by you know getting uh, stage stage top tens so i mean you can't really let it fall onto one race obviously it came down to one race for thing but but you think about all the you think back to the other 28 races when there was opportunities uh to 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 gain points there too so that's one of the things that all the teams that didn't make it uh are going to sit back and look at the, the missed opportunities all along the way Absolutely, yeah. And even if you look at uh, like a guy like uh, Brad Keselowski, right, who has, hasn't won since in, in, back in the spring, um, spring Martinsville race, I believe, was his last win. But he's been he's won several stages, and he's been up there at the top near the stages there, and just you know collecting those playoff points that's kept him. I mean, he was he was locked in before this race started without having uh, won a race in a while. So you know, good job for for playing the game. Um, as it's supposed to be played, and, and Martin Truex with you know more stage wins than anybody in the history of NASCAR, um, you know since it's the first year they had it, um, you know Truex you know could go through a whole whole round without a win and still probably stay atop the points. Probably could, probably, probably could, could because you, you're going to have you're going to you're going to you can have you're going to have three people are going to go in on 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 by virtue of winning a race, and there's always going to be the, the guys that follow suit in points, too. So, you know, that that's the thing to do. It, it, it's rewarding consistency, again, in, in in during each of these stages. If you can't win, you need to far, finish as close as you can to the front. Now, I want to bring Aaron into this conversation here since you're the new guy on the panel and you've just been kind of sitting there being quiet. Um, I, Joe, Joey's <laughs> been quiet, too, and that kind of scares me. But we'll, uh, we'll we'll hold off on Joey till later. But uh, now, Aaron, Aaron, you you covered quite a lot of NASCAR. I believe that you've uh, covered 15 races so far this year. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I've had a sleepless night or two traveling to the track this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So tell tell me some of your thoughts, uh, you know, on this first uh, elimination round of the first playoff system, as we call it now. Um, you know, what are your what are your you know uh, takeaways from uh, Dover? Well, one thing I'll kind of touch back on, you know, Seth had mentioned how a lucky caution was what gave Stenhouse more or less the ability to sneak by on points. Well, banking off that, I think the very thing you're talking about there is the same reason you can't blame Ryan Newman at all for doing what he was doing at the end of the race, because he's in a similar position where one caution at the right time could have turned everything around for him. Absolutely, yes. He, That's he why needed, he was racing as hard as he could. Exactly. He needed, what, two points? And, I mean... We can also, I think we would all admit, Newman's not one to just always let people by either. He's notorious. He races hard, and he fights for every inch. That's his driving style. So even just knowing Newman in general as a style, I wouldn't expect him to move. But with everything on the line, you really, I mean, that's a tough ask. But going further beyond all that, I look at the Chase Elliott and the Kyle Busch stories, and there's two things that kind of evolve from that for me. One is that obviously Chase is his... His heartbreak, I guess, continues. He keeps coming so close. He's been the bridesmaid many times, but not quite the bride. But he keeps getting a little closer each time, and he's there and learning. And every time he's in that position, he learns something that he can remember next time. I think where he was at this time, if I were in his shoes, and that's easy for a rider in Indiana to say, but I I probably would have tried to maybe move up the track. Kyle was running a higher line, and he was trapped behind cars that were on the inside. Even if you're just blocking Kyle's line in the last few laps, it might give you a shot. I was kind of surprised to see he didn't do that. But I think if you loop back to earlier in the weekend with the Truck Series race, we saw another driver who'd been struggling through a winless streak with Ben Rhodes deliver a strong win. So we, we've seen just this weekend that no matter how far down, how many bad breaks you get, it can happen. So I'm not too worried about Chase. I think he'll be fine. He's still in the playoffs. And on the complete opposite end of that, you look at Kyle Busch, People are forgetting now he's won back-to-back races. Before this year, he had won one playoff race. It was Homestead in 2015. It was the one that counted. Yeah, he won the right one. (laughs) Yeah, he'd won the one that he needed to win, but he had never won a playoff race outside of that going into this. So for him to go through this first round and rattle off two wins, I think if I'm the rest of the field, and that even includes Truex, that's scary to me. That's a team. I I agree. Yeah, I mean, that that is a team that is firing on all cylinders. That's a driver who looks arguably more comfortable than I think he's ever looked inside the car. And that is a manufacturer that is just, quite frankly, absolutely dominant right now. I mean, that is the trifecta and a perfect package for them right now. And even if I'm Truex looking at Bush right now, I'm a little scared because if he's looking like that when they get to Homestead at the end of the year, that's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, and, and you know they like I mentioned, they're coming back to Charlotte this weekend. Kyle's never won a points race there, and if you go back, he had a he had a really tough second place finish uh, back in back in May. Uh, got nipped by uh, uh, Austin Dillon on a, on a fuel economy run there at the end, and I think too that he's he's going back to Charlotte uh, looking for a little bit of revenge. Yeah, I would agree with that. The interesting thing with for me with Bush this year is that whenever it seems like there's a young driver trying to win a race, they have to get by Bush to do it. You had Dylan with the fuel mileage actually beating him. You had Stenhouse who had to pass Bush during a green-white checkered or overtime to get his first win at Talladega. 
Bush held off Eric Jones at Bristol, and now he's worked his way around Chase Elliott again. He's kind of like the villain for these young kids that are trying to score that critical first win. Yeah, but, uh, you know, what a win it is for these young kids when they can get around him because you, you, you're beating the best. So that's, uh, that's a feather in their cap when they can get it done. Yes, it is. All right, now, Seth, you're talking about uh, Ben Rhodes of Kansas. Go ahead, Phyllis, with uh, your, uh, your random go, thought. Just going way back, uh, following up on Aaron's uh, thought, uh, at, back at Kansas in the truck race, uh, Kyle Busch was bowing with Ben Rhodes, was having trouble passing Ben Rhodes. Rhodes hit some sort of debris, and it uh, busted his radiator, giving Kyle Busch to win. Mm-hmm. So... You could argue not only is he the villain for the young drivers in the Cup Series, but also in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series as well. Well, yeah, when you <laughs> when you when you uh, count up the amount of uh, truck and Xfinity wins Kyle exactly. has, yeah, uh, he's, exactly. he's, uh, he's coming up on a hundred. He said once he hits a hundred, he'll go ahead and just stick to Cup. But uh, <laughs> you know, until then, it's not a comforting thought for these other guys. But at the same time, you know, the experience they gain racing against a guy like Kyle Busch. You know, and people like to malign Kyle Busch, but you can't deny uh, his talent behind the wheel, you know? Absolutely. Uh, The man is a wheel man, and he does well. And if you, as an Xfinity guy, right, trying to to learn your racecraft, get to follow Kyle Busch for 100 laps, you're going to learn something. You know, Kyle Busch just might be the most talented of his generation uh, Uh, in in NASCAR right now. I will not disagree with you. And I'm sorry, Frank, but I actually have to disagree with you as far as learning from Kyle Busch by being behind him. Some drivers, yes, but others, depending on the equipment, that's far from the truth. Uh, Jeremy Clements, after he won at Road America, when he was in the media center for his availability at Darlington, which he actually had to find because he's never been there before. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. Uh, he was asked a question about cup drivers in the Xfinity series, what he's learned from them. And his, I want to say his quote was not a damn thing when they're blowing by me 20 to 30 miles per hour faster than I am. <laughs> well, that's Jeremy Clemens now. So and let me bring I mean, one thing too, just, just to kind of talk about, we talked about guys, you know, having to, having to go through this, this, spell of, of heartbreak before they uh, before they ever went back in uh, back in the 80s a guy named Harry Gant was famous for second place finishes and he was always called you know the bridesmaid and never the bride and Harry Gant endured a, a similar uh, run uh, that that of course Chase Elliott has has gone through and we, we spoke about uh, Kyle Larson going through the same thing and we all know if you know anything about the history of NASCAR, how how uh, Harry Gant uh, got out of uh, got out of that, and, and when once he started winning, he won he won with some regularity uh, for the rest of his career. Career. So yeah, it's it's just it's just it seems like some drivers are always caught in that uh, that thing. Always, never quite can get over the hump to get that first win, but once they do, they they seem to seem to take off from that. So that's that's just a little bit of a little bit of history there. And whenever I think of Harry Gant, I think about that that run he had, and I want to say it was ninety three, September and October. September, four, October, four he won the row, one, yeah. and then and I remember I was I was at Martinsville when he wrecked, and and they said, well, well, Harry Gant's streak is going to end here, but wouldn't you know it? 
that he took that busted up car <laughs> yeah, to, he, to the win there. Won, yeah, fixed up. Yeah, you won know, every with, race in September that year. Yep, yep. That was a you know great run for Harry Gant. Nineteen ninety one. Was it? Yep. Oh God, was that early? Huh. Ninety one. I, I, I guess it's Joey's right. Year. I'm old. So. <laughs> So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the um, Xfinity and the trucks um, races. Xfinity was uh, on hand at Dover, correct, and um, the trucks were standalone in uh, at, at, uh, in Vegas, correct. Correct. Okay, so let's uh, let's start off with the Xfinity report there, Seth. Uh, Aaron, well, you can jump in and help out, help Seth out with the uh, Xfinity truck report. Go ahead. Well, the Xfinity series start off or started off interesting in practice when. Daniel Hemrick lost some uh, weight on pit road, some uh, tungsten, because the bolt was left loose, Richard, am I correct? I believe that was the case, yes. And as a result, uh, his crew chief, Danny Stockman, his car chief, uh, Clint Onquist, Onquist, I may be mispronouncing his name, and his race engineer, Luke Mason, have been suspended from all NASCAR Series Championship Points events through November 14th, which I believe would only leave Homestead for them to come back for. Seth, was there a was there any monetary fine? No monetary or, or point, and no, or, no, no point points. fine. Okay, okay. Just want uh, to clarify that. After that, uh, it kind of was a rough start for the Xfinity Series. Brandon Jones spun and got nailed by Jeff Green. Uh, then you had Reed Sorensen blow his engine on the restart, and then on the next restart, uh, one of Carl Long's cars was put into the wall. After that, that was a big hit. That was. If you see the, uh, if you see it from like the, the cameras, the camera tapes around the car, and you think, oh yeah, that was enough. But if you, they they showed a camera angle from turn three, looking back down the back back stretch, and he hit that wall hard. Yeah, I want to say it was Chad Fincham in that car. Uh, yeah. And after that, it was a fairly clean green flag race. Uh, Ryan Blaney, to a certain point, ran away with it. Uh, Justin Allgaier was quoted as saying he wasn't racing Blaney. He was racing the 22 car. But uh, Blaney, after the race, uh, with the checkered flag, he pointed out to a fan, a young fan, had to be about 10, 12 years old, decked out in Kyle Larson gear, and handed the fan the race-winning checkered flag, and officials whisked the fan and his family away to Victory Lane uh, for the celebration. And by that time, his Target hat had become a Wood Brothers 21 hat. Uh, so <laughs> that was that was a pretty nice story. Then over in the Truck Series, it also had a rough start. Uh, on the start... One truck just couldn't even get fired up, uh, Todd Peck in the 63. And Myatt Snyder got in a chain reaction crash, uh, spun into the inside wall. Neither of them completed a lap. Uh, later in the race, on after the first stage, Johnny Sauer missed a gear, got spun, got clobbered by Stuart Friesen, one of the GMS-aligned trucks, who, GMS is who Sauer drives for, got clipped by Kaz Grala, his other teammate, and Justin Haley, his other teammate, got rammed in the back and it broke uh, part of the, deck, the truck bed. 
So all four GMS or GMS affiliated trucks were either wiped out or badly damaged in that one wreck. (laughs) (laughs) Not often an entire team gets wiped out in one wreck. Uh, And then afterwards, it was just a very hard-fought battle between Christopher Bell and Ben Rhodes, especially since it came down to a final restart when Austin Wayne himself blew a tire, taking out Travis Pastrana, who was making his return for the first time in two or three years. And mm-hmm. Ben Rhodes was somehow able to hold off... Uh, uh, Air- <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm- ben Rhodes was able to hold off Christopher Bell. <laughs> I got... Uh, yeah. Yep, so yeah, great weekend of racing for the uh, Xfinity truck guys, or, or it sounded like a rough weekend of racing for everybody. So they're, you know, involved in their chase as well. So uh, NASCAR, we're off to Charlotte next, and this will be the last fall race in Charlotte on the Oval, as next year this race will be on the road course, correct? That's correct. what they yep. say. Yep. Yes. That's what they say, yeah, so... Uh, so with that in mind, um, we can go around the table, make some picks for Charlotte. Um, I always get to pick last, so I'm going to pick first this week and take Truex before. And oh, then, come on. Oh, look, usually I pick last and y'all leave me with, leave me with Danica. So I'm going to go ahead and take Truex because he's, he runs pretty strong at Charlotte. And I'll, I'll let, the, let the six of you uh, pick who's ever left. Aaron, you get, you get second pick. Oh, all right. Well, you see, the way Cup's been going for the last couple of months, there's about one of four cars max you pick most weekends, so I'm going to stay smart and stay in my wheelhouse there. I'm going to say Kyle Busch gets his first points-paying win. Yeah. All right. Good, good, yep, be good for Kyle to do that. And I, he's fully capable of it, too. Christopher DeHarty, you've been kind of quiet over there. Who do you like for Charlotte? Uh, um. I'll take uh, Brad Keselowski. All right. Gray, you're going to be next. Gray, who do you like for Charlotte? I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Aaron that uh, that Kyle Busch is, it would be my pick to win, but uh, he's he's picked him, so I'm going to I'm gonna say, uh, let's, let's go with a, with a different somebody, a spoiler, if you will. Uh, Jamie McMurray, uh, that's one of his good tracks. Come, next two races uh, coming up are good tracks for Jamie as well, Charlotte and, and – uh, and Talladega, I'm gonna say uh, Jamie gets off the snide there and uh, and picks up a win. Yes, yes, that's a good that's a good bet for Vegas there, man. The odds are good there if you win. So uh, Richard, you wasn't uh, um, wasn't I'm after sorry. slating him earlier. Sorry, after slating him earlier, I'm gonna go with Chase Elliott. Okay, all right. Now, Aaron, you were trying to make a comment there. Well, I was going to say that's a throwback pick on Jamie McMurray. Wasn't Charlotte the side of his first win back when he was subbing for Sterling Marlin? It was. Yeah, oh, absolutely, was. Yeah. It, it, it was indeed. And he's run well there uh, in, in, in several races of late. That's why I'm going to pick him. And, 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 you know, talking about odds, he'll probably get – he'll probably be a good pick for someone that's want to play Vegas odds because he'll probably be, I would say, anywhere around uh, – anywhere between 15 and 20 to 1. <laughs> ah, yeah, and that and that team is strong. That team is strong this yep. year, and, you know. Uh, now, Joey, who are you liking for Charlotte? I mean, can we just keep the theme with Toyota drivers? Um, 
that seems to be that's what I did last time for New Hampshire. Um, man, that's tough. Um, I'll, I'll go Matt Kenseth. That's a good pick too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kenseth has been shut out of victory victory lane for a while. He's he's due for a win. Yeah. So and now speaking of Toyota teams, uh, okay? I Huh? Do I get a pick? No, you live in Charlotte. You're gonna be you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna be at the race. You, buy you yeah, a t-shirt in the program. So. <laughs> no, Seth. Who do you like? Because I, I was gonna go somewhere that's gonna go back to you, but but go ahead. Okay. Um, you get you well, get Eric Jones. Well, I was going to pick Chase Elliott, but Richard picked him. Just one side note on that. If Chase Elliott wins, he'll be he would become the first driver not named Jeff Gordon to win in the twenty four car in the Cup Series. He's only got uh, a few uh, only got a few races left to do that as well, hasn't he? Exactly. So I'm going to go with the forty two instead, Kyle Larson. Another very good pick, very good pick. So now speaking of the three other teams, right? I had read a tidbit, and I don't know how reliable it was, but I'm going to throw it to you guys that. Uh, that were close to the sport of NASCAR, that the 77 team uh, with uh, Furniture Row had sold their charter to the 77 car. Now, is that is that true? And, and if they did? Um, they did. They did. So do we know who they sold it to, or is that uh, still? Barney Visser has not said. Uh, he said he uh, contractually it's uh, been contracted out to a team that's uh, – needs one that he just won't run a place holder but uh he hasn't said who and he said he won't until after a season so who's the smart money on who do we who do we kind of speculate that that might be and probably Richard. penske's third car penske's third car okay yeah all right um gray richard you hearing the same kind of thing or yeah, I, I must admit i haven't heard anything on that one I haven't heard anything on it. it Barney Visser said that, uh, like, look, just just to echo what uh, what Seth said. Barney Visser said that, uh, that 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 all the everything had been done and agreed upon, and they would not announce it in, in, until a later date. Yeah, but the whole- it'd be interesting to see. I mean, you know, would there be the possibility that you have a a, a you know an alliance team to an alliance team in a way? Obviously, with Furniture Row having their, um, you know, alliance with with Toyota, um, if, if you know, obviously you've got a lot of guys over there in in Denver working on that seventy seven, um, you know, to suddenly, you know, there've been a, a lot of guys have moved out there for one year. It's pretty pretty rough on them if they've uh, suddenly got to move back or f- find different jobs. So I wonder if there's a situation where there is another team that's maybe a one car team that be, you know, based out of that sort of situation. Could be, you know, you just never know. And we'll we'll have, probably have to just have to wait till a, a Homestead, you know, media day at Homestead to find out a lot of answers to a lot of these questions. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, all we can do is speculate. You would never it, the real answer until it comes out. Go ahead, Seth. Just one small note, uh, because of something Joey said. Um, if the Wood Brothers go on and win the championship, technically speaking, the team owner would actually be Go Fast Racing because that's who they're leasing the charter from. Right, and, and, and he's going to benefit either way because uh, that charter, uh, that I don't know if they won't have that charter. That charter reverts back, so he'll get the benefit, uh, get all the benefits of wherever uh, 
that 21 finishes in the in the final uh, payout. <laughs> Joey says, like, playoff points is too confusing to care. Yeah, that's not exactly what Joey said, but, that's, say, but yeah. that's what I can say on the air. The water, so. the water does <laughs> so. get very, when you start t- talking about all that stuff, the water gets very muddy, you're correct. Yes, it does. So before we move on and talk about this uh, interesting Formula One weekend that we, that we had out in Malaysia, uh, any other NASCAR stories you're missing? I know, I know we're, we're taping Tuesday this week, so we don't have the penalty report that we usually have when we tape on Wednesday, so... Uh, um, so it's funny that you know by the time our show airs on Thursday, <laughs> there could be something. Uh, the only thing I can again. think of, I think uh, Chevrolet will unveil their twenty uh, their uh, twenty eighteen uh, Cup ride, which will be the Camaro. Uh, they already unveiled it well, earlier. Hendrick, Hendrick's yeah, going to unveil theirs, and yeah, I'll be at that event. Right. Hendrick's going to unveil uh, unveil their 2018 ride. Yeah. yeah. By the way, that's a sharp looking uh, sharp looking race car. It really is. It's a very nice car. Yeah, because it's very similar to the one they're using in the Xfinity right now. Yeah. I, I... Well, it, no, it's quite different because this particular this particular car it has a whole new, all new front end and it and it will run. Uh, it's a stamped steel body, whereas the um, the uh, Xfinity car is more the old style. Uh, Formed, formed body looks more of a has more of the jelly bean appearance, you know, on the on the fenders and, and door skins. This particular car is really sharp because it has the the neat character lines for the rear fenders and, and front and rear fenders and and the doors. So yeah, it's going to be a really really nice looking race car. Can't wait to see it on the track next year. So uh, so anyway, so. Formula One was in Malaysia. Max Verstappen took the second win of his career. Uh, Joey, you watched the race in earnest, I know. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let let you go ahead and uh, start off our Formula One segment with uh, with your race report. Yeah, so um, we we all kind of anticipated Ferrari was going to have a strong weekend based on what we saw in Friday practice and based off what we saw in, in final practice, but. In between practice and qualifying, some issues hit Sebastian Vettel's car. Um, essentially, the power unit had a had an issue, and they had to swap out parts, and they didn't actually get a chance to go and run Q1, so he didn't get a chance to qualify, had to start last. Lewis Hamilton, who didn't have pace the entire weekend, um, up to that point, ended up getting the pole, and Kimi Raikkonen, Vettel's teammate, ended up second. The only Ferrari to actually start in the top 15, which is kind of staggering and a little scary to think that Haas didn't quite have that pace. But um, going into the race, leading up to the race, you had Hamilton on pole, but leading up, you had Raikkonen actually have a power unit issue of his own and actually had to start, not even start the race, actually came off the grid from P2, had to retire, and what we ended up having was a get away from, from Hamilton. So, you looking looking ahead, you saw Verstappen make a nice pass on Hamilton for the lead, then checks out six seconds, goodbye. But the more enticing fights were, were midfield anyway, with Vettel trying to come up through the field. He went from all the way up to, what was it, Richard, like 12th by the end of the first lap, right behind it Fernando? Was, yeah, I mean, it, it was um, another, you know, electrifying start. And I think, uh, I think after what happened in Singapore, probably some of those... Uh, some of those, uh, you know, guys slightly further back down the grid were just getting out of his way. 
Yeah, I mean, what was astonishing about this this whole deal is is Botas had a good start too, and ended up up to P three, and then got past Ricardo there, and Ricardo had to fight back, and we saw some really good side by side between those two, and I was really impressed though, and I know we talked about it off the air. I was really impressed with Stoffel Van Dorn, Fernando's teammate, who came up from I think seventh or or so on the grid up to fifth, only to fall back down to seventh by the end of the race, but. That McLaren, ironically, now that the announcement's been made, Honda has started to really show pure pace, oddly enough, of all places at Malaysia. Uh, it was the last Malaysian Grand Prix. The pass that that Verstappen made on Hamilton was sealed the deal, is what Frank alluded to for the second win. Hamilton ended up finishing second. Ricardo managed to hold off Vettel late in the stages for third. Really thought that those super softs were going to play to his strengths there in the closing bit. Had a look going into turn one. Ricardo closed the door, and that was all she wrote. But in the cool-down laps, uh, it's not uncommon for Formula One drivers to go and try to pick up extra rubber, extra extra clag going off of the in the corners. And in doing so, getting next to Mr. Lance Stroll, Lance didn't see him. Maybe Vettel pushed it a little bit too much trying to get next to him, and those two collided. And Pascal Wehrlein had to pick Sebastian Vettel up to go back to the garage. So, Richard, you know, but it wasn't just a tap. it wasn't just a tap. The, the, the damage, the, the damage to, to Vettel's car was, you know, yeah. and, you know I mean, the tires sticking up in the air, and they're talking like he may need a gearbox change and, and incur more grid penalties next week. Well, I, that, you know, I saw today where I saw today where yeah. that he, he's not going to have to go. Yeah. Uh, forego the yeah. gearbox change. Well, that's if you that's went to motorsports Frank, you'd be able to see that that was indeed oh. the case. But, that's where I got it from. Boom. So, you like that pitch? Had to do that. That's um, fine. No, I was talking about the early speculation. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce deserves a word. I, I, I'll, I'll, tell you, West. I'll tell you what's that's interesting is West, that. You're right. There's still the potential of a points find coming. He's already 34 points back in this championship fight. And when you look at this, A, he took the steering wheel with him. Obviously, you're going to want to do that. You don't want other teams to get a chance to look at it. But he also hitched a ride when the medical car was right behind him back to the garage, both of which could levy a, a fine and a potential penalty hit. So to you, Richard, I'll ask, do you really think that's coming? Because we saw a pretty hefty fine with Mark Webber doing that some years ago, and we didn't see a points hit, though, for that. No, I think, well, the only issue you could have now is with the new sort of penalty system they have with driver points. Um, I know uh, Vettel got uh, a, a number of points post um, the shenanigans in Azerbaijan where he drove into uh, drove into Lewis. Uh, I think he had some points on his license before then, but I'm not sure if they've lapsed yet because they stay on your license for 12 months. So if they do decide to impose, yeah, another, if they decide there's another six points on his license, then he would miss a race. Um, I don't think they would issue a points penalty because I think that's too manipulating the championship and manipulating the results at that end. And I think they're gonna tr- they'd want to try and avoid that as much as possible. Um, but I mean, and again, it's a bit like you know we have the, disp- the you know the debate in NASCAR about them like you know the the drivers celebrating post race. You know, people would love to have seen Vettel driving around on uh, the back of a car. You know, it harks back 
back to the days of Senna and Mansell back at Silverstone in the early 90s. Um, I, I'd be very, very surprised if they did a, a, a points penalty. I think that would be a little bit excessive. Maybe yeah, they'll put a... him. Maybe they'll put him in his car and make him sit at the end of pit road while they have practice. Yeah, we see the problem with that. <laughs> yeah, the, you can do that. If that's, a, if that's a Formula One car, you've got to have another twenty guys around it just to get the thing to move. Uh, <laughs> I, I tell you, I tell you what's interesting about this though is like. And I know you and I, at certain points, were a little critical because of, of Hungary, not maybe letting Kimi go whenever they were 1-2 and Kimi had the pace. And then Hamilton was just on full attack mode, and he was told, you have to hold Lewis Hamilton back, Kimi. And he had to do that. And then Monaco, pitting Kimi early versus and, and giving Vettel that clean track. But when you really look at this, now hindsight being twenty twenty, that was one of probably the most valuable things that could have happened for Vettel to still be in contention for this title because without that he's sitting p3 in this championship and Bodas is 50 points back still so uh if if Ferrari's going to do something it definitely has to start at Suzuka their last update happened in Malaysia this power unit that Vettel has is supposed to last him all the way to the end of the season so that's important to note without a grid penalty being present if they do decide to interchange anything so I expect Ferrari to be very, very strong. And uh, Vettel's got four wins in, in Japan. So, yeah, I, I just I don't see anybody else winning this weekend, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think Hamilton could go and finish second again. And if Vettel goes and can string together two or three wins, which is very Vettel-like to do, even if Hamilton gets second, we're right back in the thick of this thing by the time we get to Brazil and Abu Dhabi. And it, it's interesting. You look at the last... Uh, two races, uh, and especially Singapore, that was supposed to be, you know, that and, and Monaco, they're, they're the two, like, off weekends for, for the Mercedes team. They come out there with a win and a second, uh, sorry, a win and a, a third place for Hamilton and Bottas. Then Malaysia, is uh, not the same. You, you know, that's a, an average track, for want of a better word. You know, it's not a really high downforce track like a, uh, Singapore. It's not a you know, a, a speed track like Spa or Monza. So you think, okay, it's it's a mix, and you expect uh, you know Mercedes again to be the dominant car that uh, that race, but they just weren't. Uh, they, they were far from it. I mean, you'd you'd say that Ferrari easily had the pace on them, and probably Red Bull as well, as you yeah. saw with Max Verstappen. So there's you know, chances are you know they're not going to get any changes in place for this weekend with them being a flyaway race. So there's probably not going to be any new parts coming onto that uh, Mercedes car, apart from the planned parts that are going to be track specific. And there'll be some concerns in that camp as to if Ferrari, if both Ferrari and, and Red Bull get their act together over the course of a weekend and put a you know, string, everything together like they're supposed to, uh, they're going to be pretty tough to beat. And then, you know, if Hamilton's sort of fighting for the scraps in sort of third, fourth, fifth sort of thing, that lead that Vettel, uh, that he's got over Vettel will come down really quickly. So they've certainly dodged, a, you know, dodged the, the, the danger that, um, you know, that could have been coming from Ferrari the last couple of weeks, but they can't keep that going for the next five. And there's no... No track in there that you think is, uh, you know, a power circuit that's a Mercedes banker. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I tell you what's critical when I look back at Malaysia was they asked Sky Sports and Abaskin, 
Hamilton what made the difference on Saturday uh, post qualifying, and he said that that they talked after Friday practice and. They elected to keep Botus in kind of a similar package to what they were running, and yep. Hamilton decided to take on a new package. So that that attributed a lot, especially because of Park Firm rules, uh, Park Firm yep. A rules, that they couldn't touch Botus's car after that. That's why he ended up finishing fifth in that race. But you would expect that they're going to lean those setups more toward what Hamilton ran for the next, especially in Japan, because there's some contrast with elevation changes, the long straight, uh, a couple of you know that that lovely double apex that they've got the right hander. So Stegner's Stegner yeah. one and two, yeah, awesome corners those are, yeah. And no, so yeah. I, yeah, so I look at this as a as a very much a problem, like you alluded to, being flyaway races. I could see this becoming something that continues at the USGP at Mexico. Maybe and Red Bull should be the dominant car in Brazil if everything stays true to form. What we saw with Malaysia. Yeah, but you look at you know you look at Japan again. You know you've got those those S's, you've got the deadness, you've got the spoon curve. You know there's some pretty high aero load corners there, and you've got one thirty R coming off that back uh, off the the bridge. Um, that that they're going to be strong, and I believe I'm right in saying, and I may be wrong here, that actually Mercedes took an aero upgrade to Malaysia and. Actually, Hamilton went back to the old aero spec, and Bottas stayed with the the updated aero yep. spec, and um, it obviously just didn't you know didn't click for for Bottas or whatever you know for whatever reason. Um, and again, it didn't really click for for Hamilton in in race race trim uh, in Q trim maybe so, but uh, certainly not yep. in uh, in the race. And it he has- was lucky. He was lucky. I mean, if Vettel and and Raikkonen had been where they should have been. You know, he wouldn't have been on the podium. Now, that was a hell of a lap, too, in qualifying, though, that Hamilton. and I mean, Hamilton and Raikkonen came. I know we make fun of Formula One all the time because, oh, he won by six seconds. But the reality is, is in qualifying on GoFast Day, there was a half a tenth separating first and second. I mean, it was a hell of a show that Hamilton yeah. and Raikkonen put on in Q3. I mean, the last um, the last few weeks, I think, qualifying at Singapore, the qualifying for Singapore was, was intense. It's yeah. Qualifying has probably been the best part of the weekend for the last few weeks. What do you got, Aaron? Well, I just wanted to point something else out that goes along with this championship battle, and that's with Lewis. Uh, he has not had a single DNF or a finish outside of the points this year, and he's actually up to 20 consecutive races in the points, which is his longest personal streak and fifth all-time for F1. So I think really that one that one shunt for Vettel has been kind of the difference in this battle, and we're just kind of waiting to see if Mercedes has that same kind of issue with Hamilton like he had last year against Rosberg. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, he, he's been very fortunate and hadn't had that DNF. And you think if he run runs some has some misfortune in the next couple of three races, then we're right back, you know, right back knotted up going into the final three three events. I mean, Hamilton has shown that he could be the most dominant driver to not win a championship, period. And <laughs> I mean, that said, there's still a lot to play for with five rounds left. So I at this point I would even say that that from Ricardo on forward I mean, Ricardo is the longest of, sh- of, of shots, but I, I really think that even Botas currently has, has a good chance. This isn't a two-way fight by any means, but um, I tell you this is kind of alluding off the championship path some. I I know I've been very critical of Max Verstappen. He's, he had seven DNFs and 14 races leading into Malaysia. And frankly, 
Toro Rosso's Carlos Saints, who just got the nod to go to Renault, um, was right on his heels in the championship points. That's a Toro Rosso keeping up with a senior team. Um, I think there was some seven-point difference, ten-point difference between the two entering the weekend. That, of course, is lengthened. It was a feel-good run for Max. It was his birthday weekend. He turned 20. He's no longer that teenage sensation. So a, a big attaboy to, to Verstappen because that was one of the more masterful races he has driven. And we talk about maturity. We talk about him needing to mature to become a championship challenger. Obviously, you've got to go through strife and, and t- trying times like these in order to have that. You know, he kind of reminds me of another young guy when he came in into the sport, you know, was signed with a top team despite being young, and and had 14 DNFs in 16 races, uh, but at uh, 61. Uh, and then the guy, that guy turned out to be pretty okay. His name was Villeneuve, Giles Villeneuve. So, uh, you, know, I, you know, I hate to draw the parallel to uh, from Verstappen to Gilles Villeneuve, but uh, this kid has that fire. Uh, he does, and that's, that's what kind of gets him burned more often than not. Uh, you know that plus the, you know, the the Red Bull is not quite the match of the uh, the Ferraris and or the Mercedes, but uh, yeah. The uh, I think the biggest thing, and I'll let Richard kind of step in on this because I actually don't know this gentleman's name. FIA FIA certified dude that that covers all the parts for all the teams. <laughs> Been suspected of signing with Renault, and kind of an under the table kind of situation and there are a lot of pissed off team principals to say I, the least that I, it, I read about that one yeah. too richard i'd love to hear your thoughts on that yeah um it's a difficult one uh, the, the contracts that obviously the teams have with the fia and the governing body of the sport are uh, i don't know what the exact wording is with, with regards to recruiting uh technical people within the fia if there is an agreement in there i'm sure it's a, a gentleman's agreement i mean within all of these teams are obviously based in europe and within the european union you have a a right to work so it's very difficult to enforce a non-compete clause in a contract and i think probably under the letter of the law and legally this wouldn't be considered um um, you know, wouldn't be considered a competitor. Um, so, I, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, obviously, the guy involved sitting in the sitting in the money seat, really, isn't he? Um, you know, he he'd probably end up being paid for not going to work, um, <laughs> which could be great. You know, put on an extended gardening. Uh, Living the dream. Exactly. Uh, you know, fair play to him. But it is a difficult thing, and it is something that, you know, you, you do have to look at. Uh, obviously, these guys do get pretty exclusive uh, access to, um, you know, to cars, designs, and intellectual property for a lot of these leading teams. And what's not uncommon is for a team to submit a part or a drawing um, and just turn around and say, you know, look, hey, is this going to be legal? Can I do this? Can I do that? And he's... You know, he's got sort of the the pickings of all the best parts. Now, contrary to that, as we've discussed before on this show, it's not a case of just an, oh, well, Red Bull's got the best front wing and Ferrari's got the best rear wing and, um, you know, Mercedes has the best diffuser and and Williams has the best suspension geometry and putting them all together and, oh, you've got the fastest car out there. It's far, far from it. Everything has to work together. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that works and how that goes out. I'm sure there'll 
be one of these things that'll end up being, you know, um, there'll be some legal battles over it, and it, he'll probably be put onto some sort of extended gardening leave while all that gets uh, gets sorted out. But um, you know, fair play to Renault anyway. They've they've gone for the gone for the juggler, as it were, and, and they may have pulled it off. And, and yeah, that, that may very well fall into the hands of uh, McLaren next year. May help out, uh, you know, Alonso in his quest to be in a winning car once again. I, I tell you this: How smart does Nico Hulkenberg look right now? Everybody was questioning that stuff last year. Should he leave Force India? And my my opinion: You always go for the factory team. Period. Of course you do. Hundred uh, absolutely, yeah. And and the fact that he's got that, and now he's got a legitimate teammate that doesn't run out of talent in a corner and spin every that's the wind it was wind it's yeah, not, sure per- not personal wind but you know wind <laughs> on the track i mean you know if if that you've got the steering wheel man that's all i'm saying yeah. but yeah uh, you know having carlos saints there who for my money i would have had in a red bull car before max Verstappen personally but i look at this thing and i think that that team with the people they're putting in place uh, that is going to be a team that it, this is their first real car this year that they had a chance to build over the off season and formulate. They had it. They were messing with Lotus stuff last year. So when you really get a chance to see what this team's going to do, I think it's not very long before they become a real player and they could be demoting Red Bull in the coming years, but just because there's, yeah. I mean, we're going to be looking at odds are Renault, Ferrari and Mercedes by 2020. I would say 100%. Yeah, it, it would be there, yeah. it would be nice to see you know three or four teams competing for wins rather than one or two with the odd third one occasionally. You know, if if, if we yeah. if we if we can get to to you know five different teams winning a race within the same season, that would be you know, something we haven't seen in Formula One in quite some time. Um, and just before we we sort of get off uh, Malaysia, I just want to mention uh, Pierre Gasly. Uh, driving his first race for uh, Toro Rosso, replacing Danny Kvyat. Um, I think he proved that he's more than capable. Um, you know, Kvyat, he's just uninspiring, isn't he, really? He's just doesn't have much personality, drives into things, drives into people, complains, moans. Um, he'd actually fit quite well in a NASCAR team, I think. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Pierre Gasly, yeah, top drive and he's even turned around and said that he would forfeit the uh super form of the championship that he's racing in the moment to compete in the usf one b i guess absolutely so, um, yeah yeah so. it'd be interesting to see if if they they do do keep him in that car because he, he in qualifying certainly gave car science a run for his money apparently i mean talking about being thrown in the deep end malaysia is probably one of the most physically demanding races of the season with the humidity there and there was rain before the race so i'm sure that added to the scenario and uh he did suffer from back pain and discomfort uh, during the race, so hopefully they can get some of that sorted out for Japan this weekend. And uh, I do fear that it's probably the last we'll see of Miss Kvyat um, in Formula 1, or at least with Toro Rosso anyway. But um, he's had his opportunity. He had the big team. He had the uh, the Red Bull drive and just never really did the business. So it's I, a cutthroat I, word. I, I can think of exactly one good race out of Danny Kvyat, and that was two years ago, you know, and and since then, yeah, yeah, he's he's squandered that opportunity, and you know, hopefully, uh, Pierre Gasly will uh, make the most of the opportunity. You know, I'd, I'd love to see what the young man has to offer. It's always good to see a new name in the sport. So, a couple of other off-track Formula One stuff I wanted to touch on. 
you know, Force India's uh, VJ Malaya was arrested today again for laundering <laughs> money for his Formula One team. So that, that's kind of like a common thing. But uh, I, I just don't know, you know, how how far that's going to go if that's going to one day cause that team to just not be on the grid. But uh, he well, was, they... uh, you know, he, he refuses to be extradited to Indi- India. You know, and we're talking about one point two billion dollars that is owed to somebody. But uh, so there you go, Richard. Do you have anything on this? Yeah, so, sorry, very, very quickly. I mean, not necessarily on on this specific uh, incident, but I know that they're looking at changing the name of the team away from Force India to I can't remember what the name was was mentioned. Um, probably looking at doing this for next year. Obviously, with the Licensing agreement for Formula One, they can't change name mid-season. But um, yeah, I remember hearing yeah, it too. That the name was kind of um, stupid. I just can't remember what it is. It's like Force F One or something. I don't some, know. Yeah, something weird. Yeah. Um, obviously, the um, the team principal, I guess, or team manager, uh, not manager, so um, CEO Otmar Schoffenhauser, I think his surname is. I can never get that spelled right or pronounced right. He. Um, he was doing an interview with the British TV around about Silver Race, and they were saying that, uh, yeah, they're looking to take away from the India branding so they can attract sponsorship from outside of India, uh, and probably because the Indian link to the team will probably be disappearing into some um, luxurious Indian prison cell anytime soon. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. A couple, right. couple, couple other off-track notes. It looks like uh, uh, Robert Kubica's test is back on with Williams. After it was reported last week that uh, it was being held up by Papa Stroll. Uh, so it looks like both Paul DiResta and Kubica will get some time in the 2014 um, chassis to uh, kind of contend for that seat against, um, you know, Massa, who may still be in the, in the, in the frame for that seat. And, of course, now, Richard, I want to throw this to you, okay? Now, Richard, you were, you know, born and raised in the United Kingdom. Watched Formula One since you were young, okay? But somehow you've managed to avoid the uh, Lewis Hamilton Kool Aid and uh, <laughs> not be enamored by him. So, uh, so as, as you're aware, since um, you know you're, you're living in North Carolina now, uh, we've got this big flap going on in the states with NFL players kneeling for the national anthem, and then uh, our president even getting involved with the NFL and whatnot, which is you know way way uh, you know off of our topic and whatnot. But suddenly, Lewis Hamilton, of all people, right? Is is out there <laughs> tweeting that perhaps he'll just go ahead and kneel or and or not stand for the American national anthem when the Formula One circus comes to Austin in November. I'm, I, Richard, I just want to throw this at you because I know uh, uh, you you know a lot about Lewis and and um, you know I'm just going to let you go. Um, L- Lewis does know where which state Austin's in, doesn't he? I hope he does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably not the smartest thing to try and if you're going to pull those antics to do it in Texas. What are you, but, what are you trying to What are you trying to say? I'm from Texas. He could be run out of the country that's within half the an point. hour. <laughs> that's the point. That's exactly but, the I point you're trying to make. Yeah. So, you know, is this just Lewis I, trying to he, keep his name in the news, or, or do you think is. he I mean, really? You think he really? You know, feels with this cause. Which this cause no, he, the, the cause has I mean, become so muddled to begin with. It, well, is it, it about police uh, brutality, or, or are we now just mad at Donald Trump? You know, 
Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, yes. I know, uh, yeah, quite. I know Lewis spends a lot of time over here in 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 the states, but he's he's somebody. Please just shut him up. I mean, he's just. I remember. I mean, this sort of tells you a little bit about his personality, from what I understand. For a long time, he had this on-off relationship with Nicole Scherzinger from some pop group or whatever. Just trying not to sound like an old man. Um, and he was once asked by one of these lifestyle magazines, what's it like to be dating a celebrity? And that pretty much was the end of their relationship. He wanted to be the celebrity. He wanted to be the one that everybody knew. And he didn't like the fact that they cons- or this magazine or this lifestyle magazine considered Nicole Scherzinger more of a celebrity than he was. And he was, oh, yeah, that did not go down at all well with him. That's his personality. He wants to be the limelight. He wants to be the center of attention. Um, you know, and, and the really sad thing about it is that Lewis and as a lot of the Formula One drivers do, they do so much good things for so many good causes. You then start to think, well, who is this guy? Is it somebody who off his own back goes and does these great charitable events and these great things that you see, you know, so much PR and the like for, or is he just doing it because he thinks that when he, that's what he needs to do. And then when he actually opens his own mouth and says what he, he thinks, you just think, Oh, for goodness sake, man, shut up, you know, and, it, and to a greater extent, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion about what's, what you see going on in the NFL and what you see going, I know it's, Recently, it sort of spilled over into into baseball a little bit, but you know, I don't, you know, I I don't make comments about my opinion on it or how where I think it stands or who I think's right or who I think's wrong in this situation because it's not my thing. You know, I respect the the country that I live in now. I love living here. I love the people, um, and you know, but to the same extent. You know, I don't have that background, and neither does Lewis. Lewis has no right to get involved. Yes, you know, that, that's my thought, yes. I mean, he was I, in the I, British country just... and he wanted to kneel for the British anthem or whatever, then fine, do that. But don't come over here and get involved in somebody else's argument because you're going to make yourself look like an idiot. And unfortunately for Lewis, that comes very easily to him. Um, <laughs> Good point. You know, just, you know, you, you just really, you know, as much success as, the ha- as he's had, looking at it from a racing perspective, I bet the guys at McLaren are thinking, thank God we got rid of him, because it's just, oh, the PR people there must be just like, you know, you, you'd almost like, almost like, and I don't want to get political here, but you can, must almost be like Donald Trump's press secretary, waking up in the morning and checking his Twitter feed. You know, you think, oh, what's he said now? And it must be the same with Lewis. Oh, what's he said now? What's he saying? You know, somebody take his phone off him. Um, it's, uh, again, just just get on with what you're doing. Get on with your job. Stay out of politics. Stay out of especially other countries' politics and be done with it. All right. Epic rant this week brought to you by Richard Eden Incorporated. So, <laughs> oh, that's okay. Right. No, no. Well, well said, Richard. Joey, you want to chime in? Not on, not on that. I'm not one to talk <laughs> politics. Okay, so I don't all wanna, right. Yeah, but uh, I will. I do want to kind of allude a little bit to the Red Bull 
um, deal with Gasly as well as a little bit of the Williams deal uh, before we move on. And that's number one, Gasly is only half a point back to um, the first place guy in the championship at Super Formula. The last two races are at Suzuka, which happened the same weekend as Coda and Austin is what, what Richard alluded to. I don't understand for the life of me why we're not seeing that race as an undercard the same weekend as Formula One to really help minimize a little bit of that and help maximize some exposure there. But uh, um, Sorry, if I could just, just... Even if it did, if it was the same weekend, I believe the Formula One rules and regulations say that you cannot, you can only compete in one series per weekend. So, like, you can't have people taking part in F2 and the Formula One race the same weekend or GP2 and Formula One as it used to be. So, even if they were together, I don't think you would have been allowed to drive in both series. Well, I know I'm not referring to that necessarily, but just for the for the sake of of keeping things a little bit more jointed together, because by oh, doing sure, that, yeah. I mean just by doing that, you could have had Kavat run all the way up to Japan, let Gasly take the title, and then you've still got Gasly to run the last three rounds. Um, looking ahead, I know that there's a lot of the the, the Williams situation in Torosso to me kind of blends together because I've heard people say. Well, Pasco Airline might be out of a out of a ride over at um, Sauber, which very is very much likely since they're running the updated Ferrari engines next year. Ferrari's got a, a big technical partnership kind of involved there, and Pasco Airline's a Mercedes driver. There's really not a big place for Pasco Airline to go next year. Williams isn't going to happen unless he's replacing Lance Stroll because Williams Martini from the Williams Martini part of that race team have said that they need the other person alongside Mr. Lance Stroll to be above 25 years of age to market the team, to market the alcohol side of that sponsorship. So that's why you're looking at that drive either going to Massa again next year. That's why you're looking at Robert Kubica or Paul DeResta, who had a really good job uh, subbing in replacement whenever Massa was ill at Hungary. So when you look at those situations, Wehrlein's out there because, let's be honest, Lance Stroll's dad is footing the hell out of that bill. And that brings me back to Toro Rosso. If they are not going to move, if they're going to completely wipe this lineup clean, you got to think that if Wehrlein doesn't have anywhere to go, that means that Mercedes didn't necessarily uphold a way to fit him in. And barring him returning to DTM, the best place for him to go might be to go ahead and leave as part of that whole Mercedes situation, bet on himself, and come over and let Red Bull offer him an opportunity. And Red Bull doing something that they don't commonly do, which is bring somebody else in from somewhere else. They haven't done that since Vettel at Sauber. So, um, you know, looking at this whole aspect of how everything kind of comes into play, I really think that we could be looking at, unless it's Cavat and Gasly, we very well could be seeing Wehrlein take his talents over there to mm. the Italian team. So I don't I, think... I, mean, I know it's a long shot, but where else can Wehrlein really go? Because Mercedes can't really offer him a drive anywhere right now. I think he's had his opportunity. I've heard too many things from too many people close to him. You know, through his time at uh, Manor and again through Sauber, he just... He yeah. may have reasonable pace, but as an as a driver He's, and as a person and as somebody that you want to work will with and and I, again I've never been privy to this so this is all secondhand information. But he has an attitude about him. He has an air of arrogance. He has a he doesn't want to work with the team. He doesn't want to work with um, you know the people involved with the uh, organization and. 
I think there's a lot of people in the know around him at like some Mercedes and you know some of the other teams that are you know he's almost burnt his bridges a little bit and he's he's sort of created that um nah we don't really want to work with you buddy sorry I, uh, I'll say this though to me he sounds like a poor man's Lewis Hamilton just the German version but that that still levels off because we always hear about the ta- the the talented guys being the biggest pain in the ass to deal with I think when you really look at this situation, though, your old Ferrari engine, Sauber, literally should be last everywhere. They're not necessarily that way because the C36 is a pretty good chassis. I think when you get a chance to see the fact that he has missed two races and still has more points than Danny Cavat, who has run all the races in a Toro Rosso, that speaks volumes when a Sauber can do that. I mean, that puts Marcus Erickson to shame. That puts Danny Cavat to shame. That puts anybody else that's in the field really <laughs> underneath that that tier to shame. So I think that if there is somebody to bet on, I don't think you go. And if you're Torosso, if you want a current guy outside of a reservist, outside of obviously they can't go and get Lando Norris from, from the McLaren deal, uh, they'll stick him in Super Formula if they have to. Um, and they're not going to go after somebody like and Rosen, Felix Rosenquist, who also is a Mercedes driver. I think really your options are to stay within the paddock right now. Uh, with, I mean, who else do you really bring in if you're going to get rid of Kavad? Uh, yeah, I mean that's you know, um, yeah, I mean yeah, as you say, I mean there's, it is a difficult situation for them, but. Um, you know, as you said, they, they bought in Vettel from outside of the their sort of training school, if you like, for want of a better word. Um, but he was an exception to the rule, I think. I I don't think Verline has done enough to really warrant that sort of that level of of movement. Um, there's just I don't know. I mean, yeah. You know, he has outscored Ericsson, um, you know, in points, and he has at times put the Sauber where it probably doesn't deserve to be. But there's, I don't know, there's just been nothing spectacular about him. Um, He has this air about him, and and similar with, you know, Kvyat as well. They both have that similar sort of, attitude and way they carried themselves and I, I really do think that he is um, yeah he, he's he's probably done um, I don't think there's I think Red Bull would rather you know punt on somebody that is a complete sort of left field um, pick rather than go to a you know Mercedes reject all righty then there you go Alrighty then. well that being said man we are over time Green, white, checker time. Uh, we don't need a red flag tonight. So uh, with that being said, I'm just going to go around the panel, all six of you guys. One final thought from everybody for the night. I'm going to start with you, Christopher DeHardy. Final Suzuka thought picks. for the night. No, Suzuka picks. Hamilton, 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 Hamilton. There you go. I'm not picking Hamilton. You <laughs> lost your damn mind. <laughs> all right, Suzuka picks real quick. Chris. Um, Raikkonen. Okay, Richard. Vettel. Joey. Do I have can I pick Vettel also or sure. is that not allowed? Yeah. Yeah. Vettel, yeah Vettel it is. In Formula One there's not enough people that win that we can't have multiple picks. Aaron. Uh, I'll be that guy and pick Hamilton. Okay. So 
I'm gonna go with Hamilton. Okay, great. Hate you, hate you both. <laughs> that'll that'll gotta he's gotta start uh, closing the gap. All right, and I'll pick Lance Stroll. So all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll pick Botas. Okay, final thoughts for the night. Let's go around the table, Chris. Uh, SEC runoffs for this past weekend. Uh, amazing to see almost a thousand cars race this coming weekend. Though is going to be even better for racing when you have Suzuka, Petit Le Mans, Bathurst 1000 uh, over in Australia. It's going to be a great weekend, y'all. You should really uh, take the time to enjoy it. And Petit Le Mans, we'll see Castro Nevis and uh, Montoya in the Penske car, correct? With Pagano. And, yeah. and Simon, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Great. Going against Rebellion Racing, too. Mm. I mean, that's, that's going to be good stuff to watch, yeah. Gray, your final thought for the night? Uh, we're going into the first race of the next round of, uh, of playoff events for NASCAR. Should be uh, should be pretty exciting. We're going to have to see some guys start to make some moves uh, and uh, try to secure a good uh, – good base for their next uh next run in the playoffs fantastic seth final thought for the night uh not only did we have the expanded series and cup series at dover we also had the nascar canyon pro series east uh harrison burton not only won the race but won the championship uh he became the youngest champion in series history now is that jeff burton's kid that is Jeff Burton's kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been reading some good stuff on that kid. So, man, you know, good stuff, man. Burton's great Virginia family. I've, I've always liked him. Now, Gray, Gray, I know you worked with uh, Ward Burton for a while, too. You were uh, on a Daytona 500 winning effort with him. Right, worked for both of them. Worked with, with, uh, with Jeff Ward too, yeah. and Bill Davis and Jeff, Jeff at RCR. Yep, think a lot of the Burton family. Yeah, great family. Good to see the youngest one doing well. Aaron Bearden, last thought for the night. Well, Frank, first of all, I was about to give you a penalty for missing lug nuts when you picked Lance Stroll, but you went back on it, so I'll let that pass. Uh, two quick things. One, there's this there's this kind of good driver in the Cup Series named Jimmy Johnson that none of us picked. Uh, he had a subpar round one last year, won the first race of the next two rounds, and kind of sort of won the championship, so maybe that's on us. We'll see. And two... Well, first of all, I had fun tonight. Thank you guys for having me. But also, I'm going to be doing something a little different and going to Winchester Speedway for the Winchester 400 Super Late Model Race this weekend. But I'm going to be hoping they've stepped their service signal up because I'm going to be trying to stream Petit Le Mans on my phone while I'm there. <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> good luck. I've been to that part of the country. So um, just get near a cell timer, climb, climb up it. So, <laughs> Joey Barnes, last thought for the night. Yeah, um, we're coming up to Charlotte. It's supposed to be the very last race of the Charlotte 1.5 mile oval era as far as in this part of the season, the fall round. It's supposed to go to a road course next year. And for the life of me, I don't advocate a million 1.5 mile races, but I certainly don't advocate a road course at a mile and a half track whenever we could have this race run at a lot of prominent road courses everywhere else road atlanta comes to mind road america there's a lot of good tracks with facilities in place that nascar should probably try and check out if they want to get out of their own comfort zone every once in a while they might be able to you know actually gain some new fans so that's my final thought for the night 
Absolutely. Yeah, going out, you know, throwing in Mid Ohio too. You know, Mid Ohio puts on a pretty good Xfinity race there as well. So another one we can maybe get the Cup Series at. So Richard, your final thought for the night? Um, uh, Charlotte. So the, the you know all the teams will be running their Super Speedway cars for that event. So it wouldn't be a quick turnaround on the cars, but that could make it an interesting few days to get to logistics sorted. Thankfully, they'll be close to home. But uh, yeah, if anybody's going down for the race on Sunday, they may have to uh, wait a few days. All right, guys. Yeah, so that's uh, that's all the time we have for tonight. I want to thank all six of you guys for coming on the show. I want to thank uh, iHeartRadio for hosting us, iTunes, SoundCloud, and I want to thank Who's the Radio Network. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Guys, we'll talk to you in a week. This is Drafting the Circus. Good night. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.